You know, God turning away from uh, the anger that he has towards sin, which is a perfect anger, is his doing. It's not our convincing him to turn away from sin. So we need to keep that in mind. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembrick. And I'm Janice. And, and this is a time with Psalm 85 when we, we study the repentance idea, because this is important that we understand this. If we are Christians, if we are Christ followers, that's coming up in five minutes. And Corey and Ryan are coming up in about 18 minutes. Corey and Ryan. Well, on yesterday's program, I took a look at one grouping of tombs from ancient Jerusalem, but there's another big chunk of Jerusalem tombs that I did not speak about. So today we're covering those. Ryan? Today I'm taking my cue from Psalm 89, which is all about God's covenant with King David. And we're going to take a close-up look at what that Davidic covenant was and is. Janice? Today I'm going to talk about God's footprints. Psalm 85 Lord, you have been favorable to your land. You have brought back the captivity of Jacob. You have forgiven the iniquity of your people. You have covered all their sin. Selah. You have taken away all your wrath. You have turned from the fierceness of your anger. Restore us, O God, of our salvation, and cause your anger toward us to cease. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your mercy, Lord, and grant us your salvation. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people and to his saints, but let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yes, the Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him, and shall make his footsteps our pathway. Psalm 85 There are five chapters, Psalm 85, 86, 87, 88, and 89. And uh, they're from the Psalms, and the Psalms are music. Now, I want to ask you a question. I want to make a statement. Paradise, it's often associated with heaven, isn't it? I mean, the final abode of the righteous. Now, it's interesting to think about, however, that paradise is more than just heaven. Well, follow me here. A vacation, it's more than that or an unexplored island. Paradise is not so much a place as it is a condition. You see, when we humble ourselves and truly repent of our sins before God, we become people willing to see the reality of our sin, willing to be new creations in Christ, willing to let the second Adam, Jesus, cultivate our soul like the Garden of Eden. What that happens then? 
as we become people in the presence of God. And the Lord makes us holy through his spirit. So we are commanded to become righteous or right with God through accepting him and his spirit in our souls. To be right with God or righteous is to become right with God. That means that we have changed our attitude towards sin and have turned our hearts and our lives towards following the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that interesting? A lot of people like to say, well, he's a Christian or she's a Christian, but I always say, well, let's look at how they live because how they live will reflect who they really believe, who they really are. Fascinating. And I think today we need to focus on that. Now take your Bible guide. We're into June. We're still into May, but June has been sent out already. And if you're on the mailing list, you will have received the Bible guide. But uh, if you are not on the mailing list, my question is, why not? You need to get on the mailing list as we take you through the Bible, because this is really interesting. We have not hit the New Testament yet, but when we do, it is going to be amazing. And I want to encourage you. So you can write to us or you can call us. Another way to do it is you can go to Bible Discovery TV. Remember the TV, BibleDiscoveryTV.com and to click on the Bible guide there. It will take you to a donate page. May I say thank you for your donations. They help us tremendously in these tumultuous times. So thank you for them. And uh, we really appreciate it. Also, uh, I would say it takes you to a page where you can download it exactly like we printed it. So you're seconds away from joining us on this study. Now, today, as we look at paradise, let's pray and ask God to speak to our hearts. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would help us to read the Bible and apply the word of God to our hearts. So many times, Lord, I, I read the Bible and I'm like, yeah, that's what I believe. That's what, and, and I really, sh I sh really should listen to your word, the 66 books by the 40 authors and let them apply to my life. So Lord, we want to read the word of God and apply it to our hearts and our lives in Jesus name. Help us to do that today as we study paradise in Jesus name. Amen. Now with that in mind, let's think about this as we read Psalm 85, the first three verses. Let's think about this as we read slowly. Lord, you have been favorable to your land. You have brought back the captivity of Jacob. You have brought back the captivity of Jacob. Well, wait a minute. We live in a free land. How can we be? Hold, just finish it out. So verse two says, you have forgiven the iniquity of your people. Iniquity is sin. You have covered all of their sin. Selah. You've taken away all your wrath. You have turned from the fierceness of your anger. That is amazing. God turning from his anger towards sin is his doing, not our convincing. Repentance is not us convincing the Lord. The Lord has made a way for us to be redeemed from sin through Jesus Christ, he is called in Hebrew, Yeshua HaMashiach. Very important to remember that, beloved. And so we have to understand that when we come to God and we say, Lord, forgive me for I've sinned, we're not saying, I convince you, Lord, that I'm really good to be in your kingdom. That's not what we're doing. We're saying, Lord, I don't deserve to be in your kingdom and I need your help. And that's when God brings his spirit in our life and things begin to change. And he 
moves us into his child and he makes us people that we never thought we could be. It's amazing. Not self-esteem, it's Christ-esteem. And there's a big difference between self-esteem and Christ-esteem. Verses 4 to 7. Restore us, O God, of our salvation, and cause your anger towards us to cease. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to old generations? Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your mercy, Lord, and grant us your salvation. I love that passage of scripture. And that brings me to this point. From the beginning, God would provide redemption from sin. We have seen and know Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ, as redeemer of our transgressions. The one who's paid the cost for our sin. So therefore, he makes us right. So when we come to Christ and submit to him, it is the Lord who makes us right. We need to understand that. You know, so many times I've talked to people and they say, well, you know, I, I've come to Christ and I said, you know, Lord should be pretty proud to have me. I'm a pretty good person. And, and I, I, this one gentleman, I said, well, you know, uh, I, I can tell you that I'm just the opposite. I don't deserve one speck of anything God has for me, yet he's provided everything for me. And that's important. We need to understand who we are, sinners. We need to understand who God is, holy. And we need to understand that he provided a way for us to become holy through Jesus Christ. Accept Jesus Christ today. Psalm 85, 8 to 13, I will hear what God the Lord will speak. For he will speak peace to his people and to his saints, but let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth have met together, righteousness and peace have kissed. The truth shall spring out of the earth and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yes, the Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and shall make his footsteps our pathway. Which brings me to point number four. Christians have committed their lives to Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. We follow the steps of the Lord to be restored to him. That's the main reason we follow the Lord is because we are restored to God. And as we follow Jesus Christ, as we allow the Holy Spirit to help us become his people, our lives begin to change. They, they begin to transfer differently. I'm a very different person than I was 20 years ago. Let me tell you, a very different person. Because God has shifted me slowly but surely because he doesn't want to do too much at one time because I would just go crazy. But God has shifted me. And as I go further, closer to the end of my life, I become more like God wants me to be. That's very important today, beloved. Think about that. But a lie is when somebody tells you, I know how you'll be happy. You buy this hairspray and you're going to be happy. You smell like this flower, you're going to be happy. You take this drug, you're going to be happy. You buy this car, you're going to be happy. See, it all tells me I'm going to be happy. No, I'm not. 
That's not how this works. The truth is that I am not happy until I find the purpose of why I exist. My purpose for living. All right, more tombs are on the docket today. On yesterday's program, we took a look at more privately owned tombs that have more restricted access. These ones are, um, they're, they're more visible at least from the outside. Very interesting uh, to take a look into some of the burial practices, specifically from ancient Jerusalem, because a lot of the biblical narrative occurs in ancient Jerusalem. Take a look. Cut into a limestone cliff face directly across from the city of David in Jerusalem stands a large ancient graveyard. Today, the village of Silwan has been built on top of these cliffs, and many of the homes have incorporated the tombs into their basements. Officially surveyed between 1968 and 71, the Silwan tomb complex includes 50 rock-cut tombs. Four were monolithic, meaning above-ground structures, but the rest, the majority, were cut directly into the cliff face in roughly two parallel lines. The entrances to the tombs are all square or rectangular, and would have originally had squared plug stones shaped to fit and seal off the tombs from the outside world. Thanks to four surviving inscriptions found on the tombs, the graveyard has been dated to the first temple period. The stylistic features of the tombs also testify to their age. They are smoothly carved, as opposed to the later second temple practice of carving with metal comb-like chisels. And for placing the bodies of the dead, the Silwan tombs have stone benches carved out of or into their rock walls, complete with headrests or sometimes sarcophagi. Later in the Second Temple period, loculi were used to place the deceased in. Loculi are long holes cut out perpendicular into the walls. The Silwan tombs are also a mixture of more plain and elaborate designs. Some of the elaborate tombs have several burial chambers within them, gabled or vaulted ceilings, frames around their doors, and cornices where the ceilings meet the walls. Archaeologists lament that originally there were many more funerary inscriptions present, but this graveyard does not have an easy past. In the 2nd century AD, when the Romans rebuilt Jerusalem, they extensively quarried for limestone here at Silwan, destroying much history. Later, in the Byzantine and Crusader periods, Christian hermits moved into the Silwan tombs, often widening the entrances, adding doors, and adding their own architectural details inside. So there we go again. Really interesting to take a look at uh, the the practices surrounding end of life, you know, rituals that we all do and as human beings. Death feels so unnatural, especially for us today. I feel like the ancient people were much more um, in tune with life and death uh, because it was, you know, it happened more often in the ancient world. Uh, um, but yeah, it's very interesting to take a look at ancient tombs and burial practices because we're able to see what the culture valued. But again, uh, when, when looking at ancient tombs, connecting, it, it's a connection point between the very real people who lived in the time period of the Bible, specifically in the time period of the Old Testament and us today, because it's something, death is something that we all have to reckon with. Uh, and yeah. It's fascinating because the, the, the times in which we live, uh, the beginning of life is celebrated mm -hmm. with rituals. 
uh, baby showers and all the rest of it. Yeah. And then the end of life is not celebrated, but it's we, we, we prepare for it and we do specific things for it. But the problem is when, when we get confused that we end up doing ending life before it begins and we're in that position. So we have a real strange mix in our culture today. This is very interesting to study and to know, and we are just confused today. Mm -hmm. So we need to ask God to help us and learn more about this. Always a good principle. Yeah, right? All right, well, today I'm taking my cue from Psalm 89, in which the psalmist reminds God of the eternal covenant that he made with David, the so-called Davidic covenant. But just what is this covenant exactly? Well, to figure this out, we're going to study the parallel passages of 2 Samuel chapter 7 and 1 Chronicles chapter 17. Because while they are very similar, there are some key differences between them as well. While one prophesies of an immediate heir for King David, the other prophesies of a more distant heir. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 11 to 16, God's prophet Nathan prophesies of a son who will proceed from the loins of David himself, a son who will be David's immediate successor, and that if that son commits iniquity, God would discipline him. However, he would not lose his dynasty as King Saul did. In verse 16, God promises three things to David, an eternal house or dynasty, an eternal kingdom, and an eternal throne. This prophecy, of course, was fulfilled through David's son Solomon. King Solomon does in fact commit iniquity by falling into idolatry and is disciplined by the Lord. However, God's covenant love remains with him. Interestingly, there is a parallel passage in 1 Chronicles chapter 17, verses 10 to 14, that is similar but also has significant differences. In this passage, Nathan proclaims to King David, Furthermore, I tell you that the Lord will build you a house, and it shall be when your days are fulfilled, when you must go to be with your fathers, that I will set up your seed after you, who will be of your sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build me a house, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son, and I will not take my mercy away from him, as I took it away from him who was before you. And I will establish him in my house, and in my kingdom forever, and his throne shall be established forever. Notice the key differences between these two passages. In 2 Samuel, the son is immediate, yet in 1 Chronicles he is distant. And in 2 Samuel, the son is a sinner, yet in 1 Chronicles there is no mention of sin. Also note that the three promises of 2 Samuel are repeated here, but a fourth is also added, an eternal son. And I will establish him in my house forever, verse 14 says. This passage is clearly a messianic prophecy a prophecy of Jesus Christ himself, given some 1,000 years before his birth. Until this prophecy was announced, it was only known that the Messiah would be born of a woman, would be a descendant of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, and would come from the tribe of Judah. This prophecy now revealed which family within the tribe of Judah the Messiah would come from, the family of David. The Messiah was to be a son of King David. So the Davidic covenant is a promise from God that David would have an eternal heir. And the psalmist is reminding and praising God in Psalm 89 about this promise. And this eternal heir is the Savior and Messiah, 
whose identity was later revealed to be Jesus of Nazareth. And I talked about this on yesterday's program. Jesus fulfilled hundreds of messianic prophecies, which proved that he was indeed David's promised heir and king of all. And since Jesus completely fulfilled all the prophecies concerning his first coming, why shouldn't we expect the prophecies of his return to be fulfilled as well? It's time to get our house in order because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is getting ready to return. What, what is that, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the King of all kings and the Lord of everything? And I think we need to keep that in mind and remember that because as you say, he fulfills every prophecy and the prophecy of his second coming is specifically mm -hmm. mentioned in the Bible and we need to pay attention to that. And you're right. You need to get your house in order. We need to get our houses in order because God is not, you know, he is not somebody to be played with right now. So it's very, very important. And Jim. we start with ourselves. We start with ourselves. We it's repent. It's easy to point fingers at Easy. Yeah. And I'm a sinner and God, forgive me. Forgive me. So... There you go, Jan. God's footsteps is what I titled my segment today. I'm going to start reading Psalm 85 verses 7 to 9, and then I'm going to skip to 13. It says, show us your mercy, Lord, and grant us your salvation. Verse 8, I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people and to his saints. Did you hear that? that God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people and to his saints. But let them not turn back to folly. Don't turn back to foolishness. Let's jump down to Proverbs 1 verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 14 verse 9. Fools mock at sin. Fools mock at sin, but among the upright there is favor. So let's go back. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people and to his saints. But let them not turn back to folly. Verse 9, surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Verse 13, righteousness will go before him, meaning God. Righteousness will go before God and he and shall make his footsteps our pathway. I messed that up. I'm going to read it again because it's important. Righteousness will go before him and shall make his footsteps our pathway. God has footsteps. God has a direction. God has a pathway for us. He makes it available to us. And in the Proverbs, we learn that in all our ways to acknowledge God, and he will give us those paths to go through. And it, it really reminded me of a story. Do you know that there's, you know that there's certain times in your life, even when you were young, that you have vivid memories of things. And, and so it was, a, it was a, 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 an important moment in time. It made an impression on you. And when I read this about the footsteps and saying here, and shall make his footsteps our pathway, it took me back to when I was in, it was either grade two or three. My little brother, my younger brother, Darren, was in kindergarten. We were brought up in northern Ontario in a place called Sudbury. And back in those days, we're talking back in the 60s, there was a lot of snow. We very, very, very rarely ever um, got a snow day. 
because we were just used to having a lot of snow. This particular day, a snowstorm hit, and now it was only in grade two or three, so I don't know if it was on the news or it just came in all of a sudden. But I remember all of the teachers in a bit of a panic and getting everybody ready to go home. And they were on the phone, the, the secretary and the teachers were on the phone calling moms and dads to come and get their children because it was snowing so badly that we couldn't be sent home on our own. And I remember my mom coming and I don't remember her arriving, but I remember partway home because the snow was so deep that my little brother, who was in kindergarten at that time, was all bundled up in a snowsuit with his snow boots on, and she had him, Rod, by the hood, and she had to drag him <laughs> behind her on top of the snow. He was light enough, and it was deep, that so deep. And I remember that my mom said, you follow, you follow mummy in her foot, in her footprints. I'm going to make a pathway for you. And that has made such an impression on me. I'm 61 now near, yes, I'm 61 now. <laughs> and that would have been in grade two or three. And that memory so vivid of my brother floating along the top of the snow and me just being in behind my mom. And there wasn't a moment that I was afraid because my mom had us. She had my, my little brother and I was in her pathway and all I had to do was follow her. And you know, our God, God, our father is so much more powerful. He is our refuge and our strength in times of trouble. And he makes that pathway for us. And we need to hang on. We need to hold on to God in our trials and in our, in our, in our storms of life. It's God that we should cling to, and we need to stay in his pathway. Let's not go off to the left or to the right. Had I tried to go, I don't know, I probably would have got stuck in the snow. I would have fallen. I don't know. I could have got lost. It would have been very difficult for me as a little girl to find my way home. But my mom came, and I walked in her footsteps. Let's do the same with our Heavenly Father God, who makes a pathway for us. Let's follow in his footsteps. I am so convinced that uh, this channel, BD Family and Friends, uh, is a place where you can watch the programs, you can watch all of the things we do in the studio and uh, we make it available to you. You can get it on the Roku channel or on our website or on Firestick Television, wherever you want to look up Bible Discovery TV or BD Family and Friends. Today, let's pray, Lord, help me. Help me to build my life every day and make a time to read your word.